0: Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast, a ministry of Compass Church with your Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's word to be challenged and changed. You know you wanted to dance with me. Nobody else heard um, my lovely friends right here laughing at me. Uh, My name is Mike Cerati. Um, I am the executive pastor, Students and Families here at Compass Church, and very excited to be with you today. Uh, man, who was here last week? Can I just see a raise of hands? How many of you guys were here last week? You heard Pastor Gabe preach. Okay, so I see hands not up, which is good. That tells me I need to do some review. Um, before I get started, I just want to make it clear so that you know that I know that I'm going to be talking really fast, okay? Um, I have probably a good two sermons worth of content to fit into 30 minutes here, so um, Forgive me. Uh, That said, last week, Pastor Gabe, our our executive pastor of worship, uh, got up here and started talking about our vision for 2020 here at Compass Church. Where we're headed, what we're doing, what we're going to be doing this year. Um, Amazing message. Did a great job working through Acts chapter 2. Just did a great theological work on on really what we're going to be doing. And I want to make sure that I kind of um, repeat that. So that you remember, and those of you who weren't here can hear it, okay? So I'm going to do that really quick, then I'm going to dive in to the rest of our vision. We could only fit in, we had to fit into two Sundays, okay? We could fit it into four, to be honest, but here we are, okay? So last Sunday, Gabe uh, looked at Acts chapter 2, specifically verses 42 through 47, and we talked about how the passage, um, the section where we see the church coming together, uh, the Holy Spirit has come. Jesus had ascended. The Holy Spirit comes, fills the apostles with the Holy Spirit, and then they begin preaching. And now all of a sudden, um, they f- the, the Spirit of God is working through the entire church and basically what he does with them and says, hey, I want you to all get together. Um, so we talked about how this is, it really is a story of their response to the gospel and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Um, And really, it was a story of their development of a new lifestyle, a new way of living life. And that way of living, it was centered around togetherness. That was really our main theme last week, and really the main theme of Acts chapter two. There's a togetherness and following, and fellowship that really can't be ignored. So the Spirit of God comes, which is how Acts chapter two starts, and then really he he leads the church to unify, to get together. That's their response, okay? And it really should challenge us. In fact, the big idea of last week was that we should live the gospel together because God's mission is to be carried out in fellowship. It's undeniable that when the Spirit came and started directing the church, the early church, the church unified, they came together, they lived life together. And so last week's challenge as a result of that reality was twofold. Number one, if you're not in fellowship, you're not in community like, the, like we saw in Acts chapter 2 with the challenge was to get in community. And the, the, most, uh, the, the way that we want you to do that here at Compass Church is in connection groups. So that was a big thing last week. It's a big part of our vision for the year. And the truth is our natural propens- propensity, the thing that we kind of do without trying is we tend towards isolation. We do not tend towards relationships. We, we tend to kind of work away from that. Even in a marriage, you find that often marriages are very separate, two isolated people. Uh, So the truth is, if if you're not in fellowship, if you're not in connection, if you're not a part of the body of Christ and you're connected more than just coming on a Sunday, you have to be intentional about that. You have to work on that because it's not going to come naturally. And if you are in a connection group, you are in fellowship here at Compass Church, then the challenge was to go deeper into the fellowship that you have. Deeper means more vulnerable, more honest, more real about what's going on in your life. And that also is not a natural thing. We're really good at hiding who we are. We're not very good at sharing who we are. So that was a challenge last week. Get into fellowship if you're not in one, in other words, connection groups, and go deeper in connection groups if you are in one. And so after unpacking Acts chapter 2 and then walking through those challenges, Gabe began to share the vision for Compass Church in 2020, 2020. Um, At Compass Church, our mission is always to help people find their God. That's who we are. That's our DNA. That's what God has called us to do. A vision is how we're going to do that. And so for 2020, he shared that the way we see that happening is by living the gospel together. So the way that we are going to help people find their way to God is we are going to live the gospel together and our strategy to accomplish that is primarily through connection groups. We, wanted, we challenged everyone to get into a connection group, a place where your name and your needs are known. That's important, and you need it. And we believe it so much that we've actually set a goal this year. This is our, the first of the two goals that, that we're sharing. Um, the goal this year was we wanted to have 80% of our adults attending connection groups this year, 80%. And that's not 80% of you who sign up outside, it's 80% of you who sign up and show up. So that's goal number one. If we're Compass Church, and we're going to be about helping people find the way to God, this year we're going to do that by living the gospel together, and the first step is to get in connection groups. Last week, if you were here, you probably heard and walked away thinking, if we're not in a connection group, we're going to miss out on a lot this year. And I hope that's what you felt. I hope that's what you heard, because that's, that's the way we're, that's where we're headed. So that's the first goal, the first outpouring of how we're going to live the gospel together. Today, we're going to talk about the second goal, the second side of this. And where we're going to find this is actually in Acts chapter 3. The next verse, after verse 47 of Acts chapter 2, where Gabe landed last week. So, open your Bibles if you have them, we're going to be in Acts chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10, and as you turn there, I want you to remember that we are actually reading, this is cool, I hope you hear this, we're actually reading the very first recorded moments in all of church history. The Holy Spirit comes, fills the believers, and and starts directing them, we are reading the first recorded moments. The baby steps, the first moments of the church, it's really awesome, okay, God led them with his spirit to come together. They started living in community. They took care of each other. They lived life together. They ate together. They attended worship together. They sat under teaching together. The result, as we learned last week, the result of all of that was that they had favor with all the people around them and God added to their number daily. So, what happens next? Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Let's read it together. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, there is so much stuff here that we have to unpack today, but the theme that you're going to hear from me a lot is, uh, the theme that you're going to hear a lot is, does that sound familiar? And I want you maybe even to have your Bibles open to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Read that real quick while you're listening, and then see if you see any similarities that's going on here. So let's look at the first thing. Verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. What's going on here? Why do I want this? Why do I want to uh, talk about this? Well, my question is, does that sound familiar? If you were here last week, or maybe you're reading Acts chapter two, four, 42, 47 right now, does that seem familiar to you? Well, it should, because in chapter 2, verse 46, as it began to describe the way the early church was acting, it says, and day by day, attending the temple together. Well, what are Peter and John doing here? They're attending the temple together. What do I want to, st- why, why, why is this important? Look, this isn't a flash in the pan. We're not seeing uh, a moment of excitement and passion from the early church. It goes, man, this is really cool. Let's do this new way of living who, like most of us in our New, re- new Year's res- resolutions, we lose it in two or three days, right? These guys are still going. Peter and John together are going to the temple to pray. First thing we've got to see, they're still living the gospel together. They're still doing it. Now let's look at verses two and three. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Here's what I want to point out. Peter and John are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. They're going to the temple together. We just said that everything about what they're doing is good. Everything about what they're doing is working. Remember we saw at the end uh, end of Acts chapter two, they had favor with all people and God was adding to the number daily. So what they're doing is good and it's working and everything that they're doing is being blessed by God. But this time on their way, a disabled beggar stops them and asks them for money. Let me ask you a question. Does that sound familiar to your life? Well, I don't often have disabled beggars. Okay. I think you do. They're standing on the corner of the street. I also think you're interrupted. And just about every time someone needs you, it's an interruption, isn't it? Someone like, did you ever have that moment where you realize that someone needs something from you or needs you and you're like, I've got plenty of time for this. Has <laughs> that ever happened? No, <laughs> ever, right? You're never like, well, I planned for this in my day. This is great. This is the exact hour I set aside for anything someone needs right here. That's not the way it works. When someone needs from th- something from you, it's always an interruption, is it not? How many beggars and homeless people and potential drug addicts do you see begging daily as you go about your routine? And let's look at this man specifically. This man was likely at the same spot every day. That's kind of familiar too. This man likely has never entered the temple that he sits outside of every day begging for alms. This man likely recognized Peter and John who probably went to the temple a lot. And vice versa, Peter and John probably recognize that man. So how do you react when these things happen to you? What thoughts come into your head? What assumptions do you make? What excuses do you come up with? Let's see what Peter and John do. Verse 4. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Does that sound familiar? Remember any of that language in Acts chapter 2? First thing I want to point out is, is really this, this whole section here is They gave him way more than he expected. What's the first thing that happens? Peter directs his, his gaze at the beggar. He doesn't ignore him. And by the way, had he ignored him, it was a perfect case for justification. Is it not? It would have been easy to justify. I don't have time for you, sir. I'm living this new type of life where I'm devoted to God and being together with the people. Oh, and by the way, I'm on my way to pray. Maybe on the way out, I'll get you. Right? Is that what Peter and John do? That's not what they do. They turn and they, they give him their attention and they ask for it back. And when that happens, it says the beggar expected to receive something from them. And truth is, this poor guy's probably ignored a lot. But these guys turned. It may even be that his heart kind of skipped a beat because he began to expect that he was going to get some money from them, which means today I get to eat. And then Peter says it. I don't have what you want. I don't have what you want. But what I do have, I'll give to you. And what Peter gives him is way more than he could have ever expected. Don't miss this. This was no small thing. This man was once a beggar who had to be carried to the gate outside of the temple, hoping to receive alms from people. But this day, he's given something he never would have expected Because now this man who's been healed, now this man whose ankles and feet are made strong and is leaping, now this man has the ability to go and make his own money. Now this man no longer needs to beg. Now he has the ability to walk where he needs to get on his own. And now this man has the ability to get into the temple with them for perhaps the first time in his life. And he does so. Walking and leaping and praising God. Does that part sound familiar? It should. Acts chapter 2 verse 46. And day by day attending the temple together. Now this guy's with them. And breaking bread in their homes. They receive food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all people. Only now. The church was the one doing all this. The Holy Spirit called them. They come together and they're doing all these things. Having favor. Adding their number. And everyone's in awe. But now. This time. The person who is walking into the temple. And praising God was from outside the church. Peter and John allowed the interruption. They did not disregard it for their cause, which was holy and good. And they gave the man way more than he ever dreamed of, so much so that he's blown away and is now walking with him into the temple, praising God, just like the church has been doing. Pretty cool, huh? We're not done yet. Verse nine. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And don't miss it. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Sound familiar? Do you see what just happened? All the people were filled with wonder and amazement. Isn't that what the church was filled with in Acts 2? In Acts 2, we see this language described what the people in the church are experiencing. What we're realizing here is that people from the outside were filled with wonder and amazement. Let me show you the slide. This is really cool. I don't want you to miss, miss this. In Acts chapter 2, the church experienced awe and wonder and favor with all people because of what God was doing among them. In Acts chapter 3, the people experienced awe and wonder because of what the church was doing among them through the Holy Spirit. And that... Or is the first recorded moments of the early church and their new way of living life together? Do you ever kind of get stuck just going to church? Maybe even with someone. Maybe you're going to church together, but you'd never allow for an interruption. I can't give you money now, I'm on my way to church. Maybe on the way out. Last week's big idea was this. We live the gospel together because God's mission is to be carried out in fellowship. That was it. This week, our big idea. We live the gospel together because when God's mission is carried out in fellowship, the people outside of the church are impacted. Do you see it? I'm going to be honest with you. I've been studying the Bible for a long time. I've known Acts Acts chapter 2 really well, and specifically verses 42 through 47, because they're amazing. They're an amazing text. To see what God is doing in the early church as he's calling them and directing them through his Holy Spirit, which is new and fresh, the very spirit of Jesus inside the believers of Christ, and they're directed to come together, and it's wonderful. But what I never failed to see was the connection between these first 10 verses to the previous five. And It's amazing. Because what it's saying is that when we live the gospel together, God's mission is carried out in fellowship. The people outside of the church are then impacted. It's really an if-then statement. So here's my question for you. What if we became a church in 2020 that was literally, actually, factually known by our community around us as a church that loved each other and the community around it? I'm going to repeat that question here in a second, but what I want you to do is I want you to actually answer it in your head, in the quietness of your own head. I want you to answer the question I'm about to ask. What if we became a church in 2020 that was literally, actually, and factually known by the community around us for our love for each other and our love for the community? What would happen? And then let's get rid of the question. No more what ifs. What will happen when we do it? Because that's why we're preaching these two messages. Because this is where we're going. Last week, Gabe told you, this all starts with connection. It all starts with fellowship and connection. That's what it started in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit directed it. He has not stopped doing that. It starts with connection. Last week, the goal, we want to have 80% of our adults attending connection groups this year. Attending, not just signing up, Attending, 80%. Number two, we want to impact 2,500 people in our community outside of our church together. Not what if, what will happen. We're gonna focus on a five mile radius around our church as the target of people that we're trying to impact. Families, communities, all of them. Our hope is not just to check the box of a good deed, but rather to do things that generate stories of life change, unexpected and extravagant grace, and restored hope. And we want to do all of this together. Okay, that sounds cool, Mike. I like the idea. 80% in connection group, 2,500 people outside of our church impacted. Wait, what, what do you mean impacted? What does that mean? What does it it mean to impact them? Well, let's go back to the text and look. If we look at Acts chapter 3, 1 through 10, we see what an impact looks like. Number one, if it interrupts the regular flow of our lives, it's probably going to impact someone. Uh Uh-oh, time out, slow down. So now you're telling me that i got to get in a connection group, okay, which is going to take time, and then I need to be ready to be interrupted to make an impact. I don't know if I have time for this. I don't think you understand how busy I am, Mike. I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's great. It's okay if you're busy because it's going to interrupt that. It kind of assumes you're going to be busy. So I think we're all on the same plate. Yes, you're busy. We get it. We're all busy. Hello, this is America. The point is, it's going to interrupt the busyness. So busyness is not a disqualification. It's an assumption. You might even have have good things that you normally guard to protect that might be interrupted. Peter and John were on their way to pray at the temple together. They were on their way to spend time with and talk to God in corporate worship. That's a good thing. They let the interruption happen. Number one, if it interrupts, it's probably impactful in the community. Number two, if it's extravagant and unexpected. Listen, people in the church may need your help. Okay, we saw that in Acts chapter 2. If we live the gospel together, it's probably going to cost you. People outside of these walls are going to need your help. We saw that today in Acts chapter 3. They're going to need your help. It's probably going to cost you. It may cost money. It may cost time. It may cost energy. It may cost your talents. It may cost your stuff. But hear me out. Helping, Helping people is normal. Look at the society around you. Helping people is normal. We live in a society where everyone expects everyone to do their part. Do you hear me? Okay. The early church did not gain favor with the community for doing their part. They gained favor with all the people because what they gave was extravagant and unexpected. And what they showed each other was a love and acceptance that they couldn't find anywhere else. And the truth is when a follower of Jesus or the church makes a significant sacrifice for the benefit of people outside of it, that's not expected. When we live like that, not only do we impact the person that we were aiming our focus on, but we impact everyone around who watched it happen. Quick side note, right here I had every intention of showing you a video of a wonderful woman in our church named Gina. Gina. Who has made an amazing impact in our church in our community and in her family as she adopted her grandkids i wanted to show you the video because i wanted to see what i thought was a great example of what impact um, that interrupts is unexpected and extravagant looks like and i don't have time to show it because i got a lot to cover but we're going to put it on social media this week and i'm asking you please to watch it because it's wonderful and we wanted to honor her and it was a really really cool story let me continue Number one, it's impact. If it interrupts, it's impact. If it's extravagant and unexpected, number three, it's it's impact if we do it together. And I know I'm repeating myself. I've made that very clear, but it's important and it's worth repeating. And if you're a teacher in the room, repetition, repetition, repetition. That's how people get it, myself included. If we believe the word of God is true, if we look at the early church and we want what they had, then we need to do it like they did through the Holy Spirit and together. And I truly believe, and I mean this, that if we do those three things, they're up on the screen behind you. If we do those things together, then it is something that will amaze people in our community, aka impact. Why do I believe that? Why do you seem so confident? Because the word of God says it. In fact, we believe this so much that we are willing as a church to ask some questions about the way we're doing things around here. We're really going to buy into this. We're really going to believe it. we need to start looking at, 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 at what we're doing. Okay? There's a reason that all the staff are wearing shirts like this today. I wanted you guys to see that we mean business. And I figured if they've got shirts on, they must mean it. <laughs> Last week, Pastor Gabe started talking and kind of setting this up. He said a couple of things. He said all of this, this whole plan, this whole vision starts with connection groups. If you're not in a connection group, you're missing out. Okay, you know how when you got to go to a race, like a long-term race, you can't really run without the number? That's That's how you get the number, you get in a connection group. If you're not in a connection group, ladies and gentlemen, I fear that you are going to miss out on what God is going to do this year. Hear me out. Gabe said this last week, this should add teeth to it. If you don't have time to be in a connection group because you're serving in our church too much, then stop serving and get in a group. He said that last week, that's not even me. And he said, if you don't have time to go to church on Sundays and get into a connection group, then stop coming on Sundays and get in a group. This is how serious we are. We love the large corporate gathering. This is good. This is wonderful. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep making it wonderful. But we want everyone in connection groups living the gospel together. I'd like to add a few more things today that we're willing to rethink. Number one, and some of these, some of these are interesting. Number one, we believe in living the gospel together so much that we're going to experiment with moving communion to connection groups outside of the large gathering. Whoa. We've always done it in the large gathering. You're right. That's not how they did it in the Bible. So why not try it? Let's just try it. Connection er, communion was supposed to be a thing done in a community around a table. That's how Jesus did it. That's how the early church did it. Why don't we try it? So for the next two months, we're going to try it. February and March, if you want communion, you got to be in a connection group. Number two, we believe in the, living the gospel together so much that we're going to experiment with doing baptisms through connection groups. We don't necessarily have a whole plan for this yet, but here's a couple. What if we took over the student room one Sunday, filled it with chairs and a baptism and said, connection groups, there's your space, dunk your people. (laughs) You do a whole service together, you got people in your connection group dunking your people, doesn't have to be a pastor. What if we did it out in the courtyard like we've done before, only pastors aren't in the tank, you are. What if we did it up here like we've done it before, only pastors aren't in the tank, you are. Number three, we believe in living the gospel together so much that we're going to hand every connection group a pre-built service project. What do I mean by that? It's an appointment. (laughs) It's all done. We're doing all the work for you. All you have to do is show up. There's a little card. Here you go. Just be there. Don't be late. Together. What if every connection group actually completed their service project together this session? What kind of impact would that make? So we're making it easy. You don't have to do any work. Uh, Connection group leaders, be asking for it. What's our assignment? Okay, we'll give it to you. You're the one that's got to make sure you all come together and go do it. And I believe in the word of God, and I believe that when you do that, God's going to impact someone's life. Number four, we believe in living the gospel together so much that we're going to do inside out. You're like, what's inside out? Inside out is a Sunday where we will close our doors, and instead of going to church like we've done today, we're going to leave and be the church in the community. We're going to have service projects set up all over this five-mile radius, maybe a little, little bit beyond. And guess how you're going to get a service project in your what? Connection. Wow, you guys are catching on. <laughs> Repetition works, huh? We're going to run each service project through our, our connection groups. Number five, we believe in living the gospel together so much that we're going to invite your connection group to join us for our one mission trip to Mexico this March. Okay, every year I lead a trip um, to one mission in Mexico where we build a house for a community. It started with high school students. We invited the church. There's some of you in this room who've gone with us. It's an amazing trip. Why not come? Why don't I have a connection group right now? You're about to sign up for one. The interest meeting is until January 26th. You'll hear about that more today. I don't know, I'll be there. I'm just saying, it's kind of fun. Okay, lastly, number six, let me set it up. Did you know that Goodyear is one of the fastest growing cities in America, in Arizona, really in America too, it's on that list. Hundreds of homes and apartments will be built and opened in 2020 within a five mile radius of this very spot. Did you know that? Last but not least, we believe in living the gospel together and the impact that that can have on our community so much That for the past two months, we've been working hard to completely rebrand Compass Church in order to make our look more attractive to the tons of new families that will be moving into our community. That said, I'm excited to show you for the first time the new Compass Church logo. Was the timing good? I can't see, so I'm sure. This logo was designed with intentionality. We hired a firm to help us do this. They studied us, they asked us questions. It's representative of the kind of people who live in the West Valley, and it's representative of the lifestyle that people who are moving in the West Valley are looking for. It's outdoorsy, it's modern, it's simple, it's clean. And this isn't just a logo we're changing, we're rebranding the whole thing. You're gonna see this, this, this branding everywhere. So next slide, students and kids. We're no longer gonna call our high school ministry DJ Hard M. We love it, I know if you're inside, but if you're outside, you're like, what the heck does that mean? Now you're sitting here going, what the heck is HSM? High school ministry, okay? That's a sub-logo that just makes the high school ministry look really fresh and clean, and it makes sense. And then our kids right here, that's pretty self-explanatory. Are you with me on that one? Okay. Um, next one, you're gonna see another ministry, the women's ministry. This is what their logo would look like. Oh, and by the way, We'll probably be selling shirts starting next week. What else do you do when you get a new logo and a new look? Well, you you redo your website so that everyone can see it. Here's a sneak peek. Why are we doing this? Because we want to see more stories like the beggar. And we all want to do it together. We're so excited about what God is doing here at Compass Church. And I hope you are now as well. Our big idea, we, when we, live the, we live the gospel together because when God's mission is carried out in fellowship, the people outside of it are impacted. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've got a couple of Objections. Maybe your first one is like, I I don't know, Mike, like, honestly, this sounds great, but I don't really have a whole lot to give. I'm just not in the right frame of mind. I'm not in the right place in life. I'm just not there. I think I'm gonna sit this one out, although this sounds really cool. Peter and John had nothing to give either. Can I push on you a little bit? The text says Peter and John had nothing of what he wanted. He wanted. but they gave him what they had. They gave him Jesus. And here's the thing, Jesus has already done the work that needs to be done, all you gotta do is go look like him as you sacrifice for people and live in community. Would you consider trusting him and joining us on our mission even though you don't feel like you have something to give? Would you? Maybe you're sitting here and you think, you know, I'm fine, like I, I, I'm good. I just don't know that I really need this connection that you guys are selling I feel like my life is fine I feel like you're just trying to force me into a corner to do something I don't really want I'm good seriously two thoughts for you number one the thing is connections not just about you what if God was calling you to be in a connection group not because of what they would do for you but because of what your place in that group would do for them. That's another way of thinking about it. And then let me challenge this thought just a little bit. Maybe the idea of I'm doing fine, I don't know that I really need this. Can I just ask you this? Are you really doing just fine? Because I don't know, like to me, I just want to throw out the idea that there's a good chance that you're not actually saying that you're fine out of a heart of contentment. Meaning you're not actually saying you're fine because you actually are. You're saying you're fine because you're speaking from a heart of isolation and you're afraid of connection. And I get it like I'm not trying to bag on you. I get it. I've been there getting in connection and living life together is vulnerable. It's to be vulnerable. And maybe that's scary or new to you. But don't be afraid. Let me give you a great piece of advice. Never let fear control your decisions. In fact, when you read the passages, Acts 2, Acts 3, everyone who lived the gospel together ended up in awe and with glad and generous hearts. What if that's what God has for you? You just need to trust him. Okay, Mike, you've convinced me, but I'm gonna be honest with you. This is a lot, and I don't know where to start. I'm gonna have the band come back out on the stage, and I'm gonna talk about that for a couple of minutes. We're gonna sing a song of response together. I'm very excited about it. This is a wonderful song. But if you're sitting here right now, and, and the Lord and God is just stirring your heart, and you're going, "Okay, I need to do this. I don't necessarily want to, or maybe I do. Whatever." But God's stirring your heart, and you're going, "Mike, you've just shared a lot between you and Gabe. This is a ton. Where do I start?" It's very simple. Let me put it to you this way. Number one, I want you to remember that this whole thing—it all started with a response to what Jesus did on the cross. Their Savior, their Messiah, He came and He died. And rose from the grave. And the people who followed him are looking at him and go, you didn't deserve death. You deserved worship, God. And so what they're doing now that he's raised from the dead is they're going, I'm going to give you everything I have. I'm going to worship. I'm going to give it all, God. I'm yours. It's, that's where it starts. Some of you in this room, that's where you need to start. You need to say, God, you don't deserve what you went through. I do. But you went through it because you loved me. And so I'm going to give you everything I've got. And I don't even know what that means yet, but I'm yours. And then step number one, whether that's you, you're just about to give your life to the Lord right now, or whether you've been in this for a long time, the only thing, the only thing I need you to do right now is to sign up and show up. I promise you we'll take care of the rest. We've been working on this, we've been preparing for this. We will take care of the rest. If you would simply walk out these doors, sign up for a connection group, and then show up to the group. You have to show up, sign up and show up. We'll take it from here. It's like getting on a roller coaster. You don't know where it's going, but you buckle in, you know you're going somewhere. That's what I'm asking. The challenge today, get up out of these seats when we dismiss, walk out in the courtyard, sign up for a connection group, and show up to the first meeting. That's all it takes. We'll take care of the rest. If I haven't convinced you yet, let's stand together and sing about the God we're talking about doing all this for. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for Him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.cobaschurch.info.com